again and uh, greet, greet you again. This morning I'd like to talk about an encouragement to a devotional life. When the first Lord first turned my heart from stone to flesh, and I think it's pretty much true with everyone who comes to faith in Christ, the Lord begins to work really in their hearts. He gave me a conviction of sin and a thirst for His Word. And I dedicated myself very early in my Christian life to reading through the Word of God yearly. And I did so for many years. And then I became a solo pastor. And so I was church secretary and um, did morning services, evening services, prayer meeting, Sunday school, Bible study, nursing home chapels, and I had plenty of exposure to the Word of God. And then I retired, and I wasn't in the Word as much anymore. It wasn't so much a part of my life as it had been. Many people would talk to me about this program when I was a pastor and that program and this Bible study and that Bible study, and they didn't realize that having studied the Word of God for hours and hours on end each day, that I really wanted to take a look and do something outside of the Bible. You know, knew something about current events, do a hobby, do whatever. But my Bible reading fell off dramatically in retirement, and so I decided to dedicate myself again to that reading through the Bible in a year. And so I started a program of uh, morning and uh, noon and evening Bible reading and meditation. That is as necessary to my soul's nurture as food is to my body's nurture. It is something that just has to be done if I am to be growing in the Lord spiritually. And I would encourage all of us to make an effort, therefore, to systematic study of God's Word. And a renewal to that effort, if we had started and have fallen away from that, and an extra booster shot if we're doing that, and we're doing that fairly well to continue in that effort. All aspects of our Christian life and our Christian discipleship is dependent upon the Word of God and knowing it. A minister was once going on a home visit, and when he got to the house, they talked a little bit, and then the mother said to one of the children, go and bring mommy's favorite book. And so the child came back with a Sears catalog. Now, the older people are laughing. The younger ones may not know what the Sears catalog is all about, but that was the Amazon of its day. Everything could be gotten from the Sears catalog delivered to your home. You could even order a house, motorcycle, car, everything came through Sears. And even though that may be dated, and now maybe people understand a little bit more, it is really true that we profess that the Bible is our favorite book, but yet all too often it sits on the shelf and gathers dust. We're not in it as we ought to be. 
I would encourage us all today to make the Word of God the center, to make it not just our favorite book, but the favorite book that we have with us regularly. As we need food to maintain physical life, so we need the Word of God to maintain spiritual life. I only have two parts this morning to the sermon. And um, the first part is to take a look at some scriptures that encourage us to study the Word of God. And the second part, some practical tips about how to get into a regular devotional life in the scripture. There may be some who believe that the devotional life and meditation upon God's Word is kind of optional. After all, isn't that what the minister's for? Isn't that why we go to church? Isn't that why we go to Sunday school? Isn't that why we do Bible study? That should give us all the Bible we need. And there may be others who know that it is uh, not an option, but have, have not been able to get their lives to the point where that becomes regularly built in. Let us turn, first of all, to Psalm 1. It's interesting that the psalm the Psalms, the songbook of Israel, the opening psalm has to do with God's Word. And our walk being based on God's Word and not based on everything that's going around in the society around us. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his Delight, wonderful word, his delight is in the law of Jehovah, and on his law he meditates day and night. Not just to read it, but to think about it, to meditate upon it. And what is such a person like? He is like, verse 3, a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its life does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. I think the prosperity of my life of near 70 years now has been attributed to only God's grace and the Word of God as being central. And whatever prosperity there is has been because of that. And I'm not just speaking, speaking physical prosperity. I'm thinking prosperousness in every single way in life. In contrast, verse 4, the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. There's a qualitative difference. There's a different end for those who are in God's Word and those who are building their life upon it and those who are not. And this is stated forth very clearly in this psalm. Now let's turn to Psalm 19. 19 is another psalm about God's Word and God's revelation. And we see in this psalm in the first six verses God's revelation in creation and starting in verse 7 the law of God, the Word of God. The law of Jehovah is perfect, reviving the soul. 
Have you ever needed your soul revived? It's hard living in this world. We need to have it revived. We need to have our spirit just encouraged and given strength. And it's done so through the testimony of the Lord. The law of the Lord. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. We live in foolishness so much. We think foolish thoughts so much. And the solution to our ignorance and lack of wisdom is the testimony of Jehovah. The precepts of, the, of Jehovah are right, rejoicing the heart. I don't know what your heart rejoices in. We probably rejoice in a lot of things. We rejoice in a baptism today, and that's a great and wondrous thing. But there's a rejoicing that comes in God's Word, a rejoicing when we see the truths of God's Word, when God's Word moves us to, to change, to repentance, to kindness, to goodness. There's a rejoicing that we can have in our life. The, the fear of Jehovah is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord, are, Jehovah, are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter than honey, and the drippings of a honeycomb. If you had a choice between Fort Knox and the Bible, which would you take? The psalm says you take the Bible. I don't think most people in the world think that way. And if you take a look, the sweetest things that this world has to offer, an even sweeter thing is God's Word. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. There's a lot of red lights that go off when we read the Scripture, and we're warned about many things. And we're not getting those warnings, we're not reading it. And in keeping them, there is great reward, there is great benefit, not only to being warned, but to keeping them. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from my hidden thoughts. It's the Word of God that declares to us our errors. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Verse 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Jehovah, my rock and my redeemer. And what is the words of his mouth and the meditation of his heart other than the Word of God? Now let me make an aside here. Many of us may have a devotional life, but we may not be reading directly from God's Word. We may be reading from some devotional program. And though that may have its place, we need to get and read directly from God's Word because when we read from a devotional book and a devotional program, we're only reading the thoughts of others and their interpretation of the Word of God. We're having the Word of God filtered through human thoughts rather than being given directly to us. And we need to be thinking God's thoughts after Him and not God's thoughts after somebody else's thought process. And I know many of us struggle reading God's Word. 
from grade school. I had attempted to read through God's Word many times and failed. It wasn't until college. <laughs> it wasn't until college that I was able for my first time actually to read through from Genesis to Revelation the Word of God. And I wouldn't necessarily recommend that approach to people who are reading their Bible to, for the first time. I, I didn't know a lot, and the genealogies bog you down, and there's a lot of things I didn't know, but I kept reading anyway. The first time I read through the Psalms, I got absolutely nothing from it. I don't like poetry. I got nothing. But the second time I read through, there was a verse here or there that kind of struck me. And the third time I read through, there were whole Psalms that I was beginning to rejoice in. And then I started to memorize those that, that really stood out to me. And so what I'm saying is, keep at it. Don't give up. That, that which doesn't seem to create much interest, if we keep at it, God will work in that diligence and help us to see and understand wonderful truths. Now turn to Psalm 119. And let me give you a memory aid for, the, for at least three chapters in the Psalms, three of the Psalms to talk about God's Word. 1, 19, and 1, 19. You all have to remember is two numbers, 1 and 9. 1, 19, and 1, 19. And 1, 19 is the longest of the Psalms. And it, uh, it, it, it's, it's complete. every verse is dedicated to some aspect of the Word of God. That's absolutely amazing. It's, a, it's hundred, over a hundred and a half verses long. Verses 1 through 6. Are picking up at verse 9, I guess. How can a young man keep his way pure? Okay, young men. An old man. And young women and old women, everybody. But how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Purity comes when we fill our mind with the word of God and God's thoughts. And not with the other temptations of this world. That's one way that we can do it. Verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Ah, but if we're not storing the Lord of God in our heart, if we're not reading it, then the, the vitamin, the, the power, the, the, the necessary resource is not there that we not sin against God. Verse 50, go over to verse 50 of this psalm. This is my comfort to my affliction, that your promises give me life. We all have affliction. What are our comforts in those affliction? The comfort are God's promises. But if we're not reading God's word, we don't know what his promises are. I've heard the statistic, I haven't checked it out, but somebody said there's over 4,000 promises in God's word. That's a lot. Can you name one of them? Can you name two of them, three of them, ten of them, a dozen of them? Well, if, if we don't know God's, what God's promises are and we can't 
can't state them in every situation in our life, then what good are the promises? We've got to know them. We've got to study them. We've got to read them. We've got to build them in to our life. In Psalm 100, uh, uh, this Psalm, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We, we walk in a dark world morally, spiritually. There's darkness in this world, but the word of God is a lamp to guide us through so we don't stumble and we don't fall and we don't get hurt by the darkness of this world. It's a lamp. But again, we've got to keep, we've got to keep the batteries in it. We've got to keep them charged. And we've got to keep the Word of God in us and keep it vibrant and charged. Psalm 148, my eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I might meditate on your promises. And those, those nights when we're sleepless, we, our, our mind's going a mile a minute, we can't shut it off. One of the great benefits of the Word of God is that we can begin to change our focus and um, maybe find ourselves being able to calm our thoughts down so we can sleep. And if not, maybe Satan will decide to stop keeping us awake because he doesn't want us in God's word, <laughs> you know, <laughs> get tired. Well, you know, if this is being caused because of evil, I'll just read God's word and Satan will make me sleepy because he won't want me to be in it. And then we go to the New Testament, and uh, one of the first examples we have in the Gospel of Matthew, very, very early, the fourth chapter, and you don't necessarily need need to turn there. It's the temptation of Jesus, and in verses 4, 7, and 10, Jesus responds to Satan not by his own reasoning, not by his own logic, not by his own power, but what does he say over and over again? It is written. That's how we answer Satan. That's how we answer temptations. That's how we answer the difficulties in our life. It is written, verse 4. It is written, verse 7. It is written, verse 10. Jesus set for us an example and pattern of what a righteous, holy man is. And he did it by giving us an example to follow. And then finally, in these exhortations, and of course this doesn't exhaust them by any means, is given in 2 Timothy, the third chapter, the 16th verse, where it says, All Scripture not just some, all of it, is breathed out by God. It is exhaled to us. When we speak, we exhale. We, the, the, the air in our lungs make our vocal cords move. And, and so God has ex, exhaled out of his body, out of his spirit being. It's all breathed out by God. And because it's breathed out by God, it's profitable. There's a profit this. There's a profit in it. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. But we've got to be in God's Word to get all those benefits of it, not just for an hour on Sunday morning. What if you only ate a meal on Sunday morning 
what would your life be like? Does it wonder? Is it any wonder then that our spiritual life is famished also? Because we're only relying on one hour a week to feed us, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Every generation does not need to reinvent the wheel. We come into this world without anything. But the Word of God is so filled with the, with the wisdom that God has given through the generations that even from a young age we can be very wise people through the Word of God. I pray that these scriptures and many more that you will read as you study God's Word and your devotions will motivate you to systematically study and read and meditate upon God's Word that if you've gotten away from it, you'll be motivated to get back to it again. And if you're in it, you'll understand you're in the right place where you need to be and redouble your effort and not give up in it. Now let's take a look at the second part of this sermon. Some practical tips. I could probably give a couple sermons on that, but we're only going to do a few this morning. First of all, pick a consistent time and place. Consistency is so important in being able to build the Word of God into our life. We are all different. Our schedules are all different. So I can't tell you how to do that. You're going to have to figure that out yourself. But we have to make time, for we will never find time to be alone with God and have a time of quiet. If you are just beginning, find a consistent time and place and don't bite off more than you can chew. Just do two, 10 minutes at first. Read for five minutes and think about what you read for five minutes. And then maybe over time, increase that as you get this pattern in your life. I'm a morning person. And so I like to get up early. And I'm up before anybody else. Um, and so I've had as a pattern of my life to eat breakfast, to read the Word of God, and take a 40-minute walk to pray, to meditate, to think. It's a wonderful way to start out the day, to have a godly, spiritual, biblical mindset as we start the day. A time when we can read without interruption. Others might be night people. And they find nighttime's a better time after everything's calmed down, everybody's gone to bed, and maybe half hour before they normally go to bed to sit and read God's Word. What a wonderful way to end the day. To reflect on the day in the light of God's Word. And to set stage for peaceful rest at night because our mind is now focused on God's Word and we'll be able to sleep much better than if we're just worrying about all the things that happen today and all the things that we face tomorrow. Closing the day reflectively on God's Word is wonderful. It would be best, of course, to do it morning and evening. As the psalm says, his meditation is day and night, morning and evening. It might be better for those whose children go to school 
to wait till they're out of the house and before the rest of the day starts to spend some time reading the Word and meditating upon it. Other times, maybe lunch would be good. When I was working, I had like 45-minute like lunch or so, and I'd have lunch and I'd read the Scriptures while, while I was eating lunch between break. What a wonderful time in the middle of the day. Pick a time that is good with, for you and stick with it. Be consistent. A time that you know you can do and regularly do. And if you miss a day, don't worry about it. Don't do this thing, well, I got to make up. I you know, I should be, be two more verses ahead or, or, or two more chapters ahead by now. Don't do it. You'll just overburden yourself. Just forget it and ask God for consistency <laughs> for the next day and pick up where you left off. A little here, a little there. It's like saving money. You put a little bit of your paycheck in, into your savings account, and over time, you've got what you need for vacation, emergency, rainy day, whatever. The Word of God is the same way. We need to build the Word of God as we build a bank account, a little bit here, a little bit there, because when the crisis in your life comes, you're not going to have time to sit down and study God's Word to determine how to react. You've got to have God's Word there, built in there, and, and ready to call on, because you've read it and know it. It's, it's too late to sit down and now, let's study this thing in the midst of a crisis in the midst of your life falling apart. And so it's like saving and building up a bank account. Secondly, a second tip would be use some kind of method. There are plenty of Bible reading guides out there. Um, you could read the Old Testament in the morning and New Testament at night. You could decide, I'm going to read Leviticus, and then right after reading Leviticus, I'm going to read Hebrews because Hebrews is a commentary on Leviticus through Christ. So you'd understand a little bit more about what Leviticus is about. But we read Leviticus, and then we move on to another book, and we don't tie it together. Christmas, start off reading the book of Luke with the birth narratives. Easter, read the book of John because half of the book of John is the last week of Jesus' life. And so it, it helps you to focus in on, on those seasons. In my college years, I dedicated myself to reading the Bible through. From Genesis to Revelation. And so, we need to do that reading, but a method helps. You know, um, a good detective is somebody who's going to be able to ask questions. The more questions a detective asks about a case he's doing, the closer he's going to get to finding the answer to what that's about. Same thing with Scripture. When we read Scripture, people... Tell me, I've read these passages, Pastor, I don't get anywhere near what you get out of it. I said, well, well, part of that is the gifting of God, but the other part of it is asking the right questions. 
and I don't think we read the Bible often reading questions. The Word of God is like a puzzle, and we need to ask questions of it. That's why I have in the bulletin on this um, blue paper questions to ask. Here's a sample of them. What does this passage teach about God? What does this tell us about ourselves? What does it say about faith? What does it say about treating others? Is there something I must do as a result of this passage? And, and, and so Mickelson has various questions he uses in his approach. Paul Little had, had, had questions he asked. The Bible Club movement has their questions. The Quiet Time Diary had their questions. So here's some questions you can take with you. And when you read through, maybe use Mickelson's method one time, you read through the Bible, use Little's the next. But ask questions, use a method. Another thing I'd say in regard to the scripture is keep at it. Do not look at your reading of the Bible as entertainment. It is not entertainment. It is not always fun, it is not always exciting, and it isn't always easy. It is our duty before God which will be rewarded for the effort. In our multimedia society, you're going to always find other things that are going to be more entertaining and more fun. But after spending hours at it, what have you really gained? You haven't gained in God's Word, that's for sure. So we need to put those things away and get serious about the Word of God. We must unplug and quiet the noise all around us the noise that is twisting our thoughts and hearts, the noise that is making us outraged about everything, the noise that's moving us away from God's truth and get back to meditating again on it. And so I suggest you ask these questions. And the third point I would make is this. Not all of us are good readers. There are people in my life who are dyslexic. It's very difficult for them to read. Maybe it's hard for you to sit still and listen. I'm one that has to take a walk and pray because if I were to kneel by my bed in the morning or at night with my eyes closed, I'd be asleep. I'm an active person, but once I slow down, I'm gone. And I know that I cannot be, be on my knees with my eyes closed. I'm going to fall over asleep in a short time. And so, in order to counteract those things, I would recommend for many of us an audio version of the Bible to help you read along or to play as you're doing something else with your hands if that's the type of person you are. Not everybody is going to be a studious type person. Some people are very much workers with their hands. And so you can play something while you're mowing the lawn, washing dishes, taking a walk, um, commuting in the car. It's amazing commuting in the car, how 
many chapters of scripture you can get through, even on a ride that's not that long, and then to be able to meditate and think about it if you turn it off for the rest of the drive, while you're also paying attention to traffic around you, of course. Most smartphones have Bible apps with audio on them. And it would be also helpful to talk to someone about the scriptures, a spouse, a parent, a child, to talk about what you've read and, and just the ability to speak what you read sets it more in your heart and gets you more thinking about it. Having somebody else's input reinforces that to make it go deeper in your life. I pray that each of us will have our quiet time with God and will make this as a set pattern in our lives. Despite the efforts of Satan and this world to derail us. And I pray that the encouragement from the scriptures we read and the practical advice given will make for growth and grace in the year to come as you dedicate yourselves to the study of God's word. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from you. And so, Lord, we pray that we might see that and understand it and build our lives as those who are feeding upon your glorious and wonderful word, the, the thing that the Holy Spirit uses in our lives to make us grow spiritually before you. So bless us as we make this dedication bless us if this is the first time we ever attempted to do it. Encourage us if it's a renewing what we've already tried to do in devotions and continue to encourage those who are already in it to keep at it and not give up. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Mercy Hill Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, please visit our website at www.mercyhillnj.org we meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the church house located at 300 University Boulevard in Glassboro, off of Harvard Avenue, adjacent to the J. Harvey Rogers School and near Rowan University. We'd love for you to join us. Please see our website for directions. Thank you again for listening to the Mercy Hill Sermon Podcast.